please join me in the reading of the Litany of Invitation and Confession. Then I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, thus says the Lord. Send down the fire of your justice. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Send down the rain of your love. Your old shall dream dreams, and your young shall see visions. Send down your Spirit, breathe life in your people. And we shall be people of God. God is your people. Forgive us when we fail to listen to your Spirit. Sisters and brothers, the Spirit lives among us, even when we choose to not listen. Let us bask in God's grace. We are forgiven. Let us lift our voices in praise to God. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church on this beautiful Sunday, especially this high holy day in the church calendar year. This is the, the day of Pentecost. You can see the children waving the red and yellow like the flaming Holy Spirit that was coming upon the church on Pentecost years ago. We have guests among us, and we're glad that you are here and share the day with us. There is a response and welcome card on the edge of your order of service. If you would put your name there, it will help me connect name and face with you. But you see that we have some other guests here. These are the guests uh, named the Woodward Academy 4th Grade Choristers. And they are accompanied by the Celestial and Berean Choir in our church. So we welcome this visiting choir and those of you who are families and parents who uh, share in the day with us. We are glad that you are here. Following their singing, uh, Fulgencio and Dahlia Ferrer will be reading the first lesson. Uh, My Sunday is always better when you are here, Fulgencio and Dahlia. They, for years, have read in different languages the text from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. So following the singing, if you would lead us in reading, we'll be worshiping God. Welcome to the worship of God.
Thank you. Blessed are they that hear the word of the Lord. We are reading from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 1 to um, 21, in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Y se le aparecieron lenguas repartidas como de fuego, asentándose sobre cada uno de ellos. Y fueron todos llenos del Espíritu Santo, y comenzaron a hablar en otras lenguas, según el Espíritu le daba que hablasen. Había en Jerusalén judíos, tementes a Dios, vino de todas las naciones del mundo. Abundo se son, ayúntese a multitud de ficos perplexos, pues cada uno sabía hablar en su propia lengua. Y estaban atónitos y maravillados, diciendo, Mirad, ¿no son galileos todos estos que hablan? ¿Cómo pues le oímos nosotros hablar cada uno en nuestra lengua en la que hemos nacido? Persians, Medos, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Perfilia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Serene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we heard them speaking about God's deeps of power. Atonitos and perplexos, todos preguntaban unos a otros, ¿qué significa esto? Algunos todavía zumbaban, y le decían, ellos vivieron vino de más. Entonces Pedro, poniéndose en pie con lo junto con los once, alzó la voz y les habló diciendo, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Job. In the last day it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show burdens in the heaven above and signs on earth. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Y todo aquel que invocar el nombre del Señor será salvo. Y todo aquel que invocar el nombre del Señor será salvo. Here ends the first lesson. And now let us pray. Holy God, empower us with your Holy Spirit, that as your daughters and sons we may speak truth to power, inspire within us the dreams of youth and the visions of age, cause wonders to occur not just in the heavens above but on the earth below, so that your justice may spring forth with tremors of righteousness and love. Come into our presence, Holy Spirit. Speak truth to our troubled hearts. Discomfort us in our complacency. Stir up a yearning within us for justice and love. Guide us away from the paths of sin and sorrow onto paths of truth and righteousness. God, in this world that trembles with fear, we need your power that we might tremble with courage and strength. Help us, God, to claim your mighty presence in our lives and in the world. Move through our hearts and through our church 
that we may proclaim through our actions that we are your sons and daughters. And remind us to also pray, as Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying boldly, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. The Spirit intercedes for us <clears throat> as <clears throat> the Spirit intercedes for us as we wait patiently for the redemption of all creation. A reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope, for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here ends the second lesson. Girls and boys, you can join us at the front. Can you speak another language? Raise your hand if you can. That's awesome. So if you can't understand the language, why is that hard? If you don't speak Spanish, but someone's speaking Spanish to you, what makes that difficult? Maybe it's hard to relate to them because you don't know what they're saying. Yeah, that's a way. Well, our story today is about this special day. It's about a day called Pentecost that we are celebrating today in this very church. And it was a festival that was held in Jerusalem, and people from all over, lots of different countries came. And because of that, they spoke all different kinds of languages. And on that day, the Holy Spirit came to the disciples and enabled all of them 
to speak the languages that they were hearing, that everyone was speaking. They didn't learn how to speak this, these languages, but the Holy Spirit gave them the power to understand. Isn't that really cool? And so, because of that, the disciples were able to tell all of these people about God and all the work that God was doing in the world because they could speak the same language. So, we have these red streamers that look like fire, and we're all wearing red. Look at all of these red and the red in our sanctuary. It represents the fire, the words that the disciples spread, the, the words that they shared with others spread like, like fire among all of the people that were there. And that's why we celebrate Pentecost, because it was such a special day. We celebrate it every single year. So sometimes, we might want to speak up for something. Maybe we see something that is wrong and we don't think it's right, and we want to speak out. But we might not know what words to use. But we can trust that God will give us the words, just like God gave the disciples the words when they were unsure about all of these different languages, the Holy Spirit came and they were able to speak to them. God will also give us the words, okay? So you can use this story, this day, to remind you that you can trust in God to give you the right words to say, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit and all that you do for us, God. Help us to trust you that you will give us the right words when we want to speak out and up for others. In your name we pray. Amen. The Spirit will guide the church in the ways of Jesus, a reading from the Gospel of John. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. But I have said these things to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you about them. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? 
But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and thanks be to our guests that are here today. The royal family may have a gospel choir on the Windsor Chapel steps, but we have the Woodward Academy singing on our chapel steps along with our children's choir. So, Mary Lou, thank you. And uh, Fulgencio and Dahlia, thank you as well. In their house, uh, they spoke French and Portuguese and Spanish and English and probably some other language as well. Uh, That's not the house that I grew up in. Uh, We were uh, monolinguistic in our house. We only spoke country and barely English. I was thinking about how God is a multilingual God. And as I was thinking about that, I thought of uh, several years ago when I walked across Spain, the Camino de Santiago. And as I did, I did okay for a person who could not speak Spanish. So far, it went so good until mile 420. And in mile 420, I went to a refugio, which is a place of refuge, kind of a hostel, like bunk beds in a dormitory, where all of us pilgrims would stay. And I was speaking to the hospitalero there, and she was speaking to me only in Spanish. I was not able to communicate at all. There wasn't anybody else around that could translate. And the more she talked, the more angry she got at me. And I kept using all my pantomimes, you know, like, and uh, it didn't work. And finally, she stopped and then spoke to me in English. And she said to me, you Americans... You come to our country and walk across Spain for 500 miles and you don't even bother to learn Spanish. Shame on you. And I pointed my finger at her and I said, You're exactly right. I'm sorry. I meant to learn Spanish when I got back to the States. I haven't gotten to it either out of my laziness or out of my hubris or both, I am still a monolinguist. I saw when Anakate asked those who speak more than one language, everybody here did, all the children at Woodward, but many of us don't. According to this text, this story of Pentecost, where the Spirit comes and many hear in their own language, and they're there from all over the world, It occurred to me that God is a multilinguistic God. Just in the places that they are from, God must speak Arabic and Latin and Greek and Hebrew and Egyptian and Aramaic. The uh, Psalms say that God is the rock of our salvation. Well, I would say that God is the Rosetta Stone as well. 
We would add that God must speak Chinese and Spanish and French. And where I came from in North Louisiana, there were some that said God only spoke King James English. But God is not limited to human languages, is God. As I thought about the three texts that you've heard read in the service today, I thought of other languages in which God is fluent. With the first, God is fluent in the language of the strange. Did you hear how strange that Acts chapter 2 text was? All of the blowing wind and the dancing fire. We prefer the familiar to the strange, don't we? That's why we always sing Amazing Grace at funerals. It's why we always read the 23rd Psalm at memorial services. It's not the strange that brings comfort. It is the familiar. But as I read the Bible, I see that God is as much invested in our growth and challenge as God is in our comfort. This Pentecost story about the wind and the fire and the, and the rattling of the building sounds to me more like something you'd read from Marvel Comics. Any of you fourth graders know about Marvel Studios? Everybody does. Yeah, I may have seen the new Universe movie, uh, The Infinity Wars. I, hadn't, I haven't seen it yet. But the wind makes me think of Storm and the X-Men. And the fire makes me think of the Human Torch and the Fantastic Four. It's kind of like the gospel according to uh, Stan Lee more than it is to Luke, the writer. But in this strange thing, a fluency of divine language breaks out. It says to me that God is fluent in the language of strange and the stranger. Just a few weeks ago in the chronology of these texts, Jesus is the stranger. Remember? On the way to Emmaus, two disciples are there, and they are grieving the absence of Jesus, and he's walking with them. But he is Christ in camouflage. They don't recognize that he is disguised, but Jesus is the stranger. Three visitors in the Old Testament come to Abraham and Sarah. It is a theophany, the appearing of God that some Christians think may be an early visitation of the Trinity. We have all experienced the gift of the unexpected through the gift of a stranger. When I was walking 500 miles across Spain, we called them Camino Angels. That just when you thought you couldn't go on or you didn't know which way to go, somebody showed up and helped show you the way. And that's happened to you as well. One of the times that I remember the strange came to visit and brought with them the presence of God was in the year 2001. In the year 2001, we started our 50th year journey, finishing the 49th and on to our 50th year as a congregation, which would have been in September 2002. So we planned a big party, uh, a dinner, right after worship on the third week of September 2001. And I thought it was a good idea. Other leaders said, sure. Why don't we invite a dozen Muslims to come and share in the meal with us from the Masjid of Al-Islam, where my friend, the former imam there, Pleman El-Amim, was the imam. And so we did. But between the invitation and the meal, there was another event, remember, 9-11. And as the buildings, the Twin Towers, came down, our anxiety went up about hosting these strangers. Some in the congregation got very anxious, and when you got anxious, I got anxious. And so I called Linda Clark to help me manage my anxiety. She's on the other side now. But I called her up and I said, you've got to come to the midweek service and tell the congregation to calm down. You've got to come do that. She was already suffering some from some vertigo at that time. And she said, no, I'm not going to be able to come. James, you're going to have to depend on God to handle this. I said, I would rather depend on Linda Clark to handle this. 
I guess God did. The Muslim friends showed up, and we discovered, as we always do, that there's more we have in common than we have in difference. And even some, you know, it was so radical at that time. I mean, this was 2001. It seemed hard to think back then. We got our picture made and put in the publication of the CBF. Wow. Big deal. God handled giving us a gift through the gift of a stranger. Jan Swanson is here today. She is no stranger to us. She is a Presbyterian, but she is an honorary Baptist. Among these ornery Baptists, we welcome you as an honorary Baptist. Jan is retiring and is moving to Charleston, but she has helped midwife world pilgrims a pilgrimage group that invites Jews, Christians, Muslims, and others to travel the world and discover that a world of friends can be a world that leans toward peace. Ken's been on this. I've been on this. Liz has been on this. Missy Lester from our church has been world pilgrims. It is a subversive outfit. It is a subversive outfit among the proliferation of fear-mongering in our world. Social media seems to me has made us more unsocial. It is now easier to demean at a distance. It is easier to bully with a disconnect from visible collateral damage. But thank God that God is not as xenophobic and fearful of the stranger as we are. In fact, God uses the stranger, as did Jesus on the Emmaus Road, to bring awareness and hope. For me, what that means is when challenges come to my life, I am looking for comfort, but sometimes God gives me challenge through the gift of the stranger, and I grow. God is fluent in the language of the strange. From another lesson, the gospel lesson, you heard you heard it read. A second language that God is fluent in is the language of sorrow. This comes, the text comes from when Jesus was telling the disciples in the farewell discourse in John, I'm leaving. Now I'm sending the Spirit, but I'm leaving. And I'm not seeing before this week that word sorrow in it. I know that you will have sorrow. Perhaps because because I, the reason I saw it is because we've had sorrow in our congregation. Just a week ago in this sanctuary, we had the memorial service for Jane Jordan, one of our longtime and beloved members. We know of sorrow. I believe that salvation is at the heart of God, but I believe also so is sorrow. I've always loved that story. I believe it's from the Talmud that the rabbis tell, that as the children of Israel were freed from the captivity of Egypt and they are led through the Red Sea, the Reed Sea, the waters part, per the telling of the Bible, by the wind of God, and the children of Israel are freed and the Egyptians drown that are following them, The Talmud tells the story that the angels are rejoicing. We've won, we've won. And they look over at God and God is crying. And the angels say, God, why are you you crying? Your children have been freed. And God says, yes, but the Egyptians are my children as well. Sorrow is in the heart of God as it is with us. Northside Drive Baptist Church uses the language of sorrow well because we understand the ministry of love. Don't don't we do good funerals? I mean, that's odd to say. It's not that we're trying to practice, but we're getting plenty of practice. And don't, when you walk out of memorial service or funeral here, you hear all of our guests say, that was the best funeral. I think I know why. And it is that when we are allowed by family that we get the proportion right. 
The proportion is there are stories to tell. One is the story of the individual. But the story of the individual is a cameo walk-on story in the grander story of this congregation of faith that has been a part of the individual story. And then even bigger, this congregation is a part of the divine story. The big story of God that catches up all of our stories in that story of grace. And if there is a gospel, that is it. That the story of God is bigger than ours and catches us up in it. It's like one of the epistles says, We sorrow, but we sorrow not as those who have no hope. God is fluent in the language of strange, and God is fluent in the language of sorrow. One other thing, God is proficient in the language of sighs. S-I-G-H-S. Did you hear Mary read that? One of the favorite scriptures for some of us, Romans 8.26. For there are times when we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes with sighs, too deep for words. Here is how I define a sigh. A sigh is an exaggerated breath in the gap between what should be and what is. It is an exaggerated breath in the gap between what should be And what is? We all sigh many times a day. My friend Chris Graham, who died five years ago, used to tell of going to uh, a uh, seminar in New York City at Union Seminary that uh, Preston Davis, connected with our church, and Clay Manley in our church went to as students, and that he went there to study with Walter Wink, a Methodist minister, the theologian who coined, coined the phrase, the myth, of redemptive violence. Walter Wink was there leading them in a prayer, in a prayer. And he said, all right, first we're going to lie down on the floor. And they did in this room. And we're going to raise the windows there at Union Theological Seminary. It was in the same room that Bonhoeffer studied in right before World War II, when he came from Germany to study, but with Hitler's rise, he knew that he had to return home. And so he returned, was put in a concentration camp, and was killed eight days before the camp was liberated. In that room, Bonhoeffer had studied, and now all of these pastors are laid out on the floor. That night, the big apple was ripe with night sounds of the honks of the horns and the calls of the people, the smells of the city. Walter Wink led them in a time of prayer, but it was really a time of sighing. He said, I'll call out a name, and then you take turns, of calling out one of the world's woes, and we will all (sighs) sigh together. And that's exactly what they did. He called out Darfur's refugees. Someone called out hunger in the Sudan. Health care needed for all. Victims of war everywhere. If we were on that floor this day, someone would say, shooting at the school south of Houston with ten dead. Someone else would say, less than three months ago, Parkland, Florida, 17 shot dead. (sighs) Someone would say, the plane crash in Cuba, killing over a hundred, ten of whom were Church of the Nazarene pastors from Fulgencio's hometown province. Sigh. Someone would say, the popularity and authorization of hate. And we would sigh. Chris said that after an hour of sighing and breathing out and breathing in, he walked out saying, sighing is a form of praying. 
And wouldn't we add to the list Israeli and Palestinian great horror and sadness? <sighs> God is fluent in our size. The scriptures say that God hears us and interprets for us, like I say to you who start crying and say, I'm sorry, I'm crying, and I say, it's okay. Tears are prayers that have not yet found words. And maybe sighs are prayers that can never find words. As you walk into this week, and take the multilingual Pentecost God with you. Remember, look into the eyes of the stranger. Sigh out your prayers to God. And even our sorrows are caught up in God's big story. Is that enough for the week? It is. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation for our dedication and invitation is also offered as we respond to God. As we respond today, we sing a song from the gospel hymn tradition that has a refrain of faith and strength. We will sing the first, second, and last stanzas. Let's stand together and sing.
We welcome again all those who have joined us for worship this morning, especially Woodward Academy. We're so grateful for your presence and for your beautiful singing and for all the families that join us. Uh, This is the time when we gather together as a church and share concerns and celebrations, and I, I want to share a few of those with you and some announcements. Reminder that tomorrow night we'll have church, and council, uh, church council. On Thursday of this week, we'll have our church and conference at 645. We'll be voting on those bylaw amendments, which are still available in the narthex. Okay. A lot of celebrate this week. Uh, yesterday, there were two Northside Drive weddings. Jeffrey and Jade were married. Congratulations to that couple. And also, Taylor Janney, the son of Don and Sid Janney married Christine in Puerto Vallarta yesterday. So congratulations to uh, both of those new couples. Yet with our celebration, uh, we bring heavy hearts of grief, as was mentioned during the sermon earlier. Our hearts are heavy this morning for yet another mass shooting. For those who were killed at Santa Fe High School in Galveston, Texas, And for those who struggle with grief, with depression and anxiety, we bundle up our concerns for you. We lift you up to the Lord. We lift you in prayer. What a gift, though. But what a gift we have, again, to hear the music from the Woodward Academy. Let us continue our tithes and offerings, or let us continue the worship of God with the giving of our tithes and offerings in this wonderful music.
Oh, loving God, our voices bootleg off the organ's breath and the choir's song and the violin strings. For we, too, join in gratitude and praise to you on this Sunday called Pentecost. May your Spirit accompany and send us forth into this week, and may the gospel songs, writer, prayer be for us as well, that you would revive us again, again, fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. In Christ's name, amen. As we prepare to go today, we also say goodbye. And as you hear the benediction, you get to participate today. And knowing that Jan is awfully shy, I'm going to come to her rather than ask her to come to me. Join me in this benediction of blessing. I'll be moving through it. Your cue will be, we say, and then you respond by saying, bless you, Jan. As in, we say, bless you, Jan. Jan, for your work at the Christian Council that helped us in this racially divided city to become friends with other congregations crossing the line of black and white, you helped us do that. And we say, bless you, Jan. For your 18 years as work with World Pilgrims, that took people from all different religions and ilks on pilgrimages around the world. You got together Buddhists and Baptists, Mormons and Methodists, Jews and Gentiles, and we say, thank you, Jan. And for putting up with the nonsense of Gerald Durley, <laughs> Pleman el and James Lampkin, we say, Thank you, Jan. So as you go in peace, may the strength of Christ uplift us, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround us, and the grace and mercy of God give us hope and give us courage. This day and every day, as we prepare to go in peace, amen. <laughs>